You are listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space, Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. Sitting across from me is Tony Magaset. Hello. And today we have an amazing special guest, Cindy Barlow. So me going along in my spiritual journey came across the reality that I had a, a media problem. Um, I kind of realized that I was addicted to media and I came across this program called Media Addicts Anonymous. And that is how I met Cindy. Cindy is the, can I say, co-creator of that program. And she is an actor, a massage therapist, a Taoist, a hypnotist. I'm sure I'm missing some. What else am I missing? And an author now. And an (laughs) author, yeah. Yeah. She's newly the author of a book called Playing You. And yeah, it's Cindy Barlow. Man, we are really in the media right now as a society. We talk about it on this radio show, literally probably f- at least dedicate 15 minutes to it every time on the show. So I just thought this was a great time to have you on and just to talk. First of all, I, the first question I just wanted to ask you is what exactly is media sobriety to you? That's a really interesting question because it's changed, you know, over time. If I, if I admit that I have an addiction to something, it means I have a dependency to it. And it means that I use it for, um, you know, when we talk about the five R's, I use it for reward. I use it for relief. I use it for relaxation, for recreation, and I use it in place of relationships. So the five R's, you know? So um, if I have a dependency on something, then that becomes an addiction and it's different if I have an addiction or I just have, you know, a problem with my behavior and, and control. So for instance, in the beginning, um, when I was trying to control my media, I, I took the behavioral therapy approach, which was I'd surf the urge. I'd try and, um, you know, just, just change my behavior, only watch in a certain way or only on weekends. There were all kinds of things that I would sort of put into place and they were all controls that I was putting on media so that I wouldn't use it the way I didn't want to. Now, if I wasn't a media addict of the hopeless variety, okay, let's get down to the nitty gritty. If I wasn't, uh, you know, a drunk of the hopeless variety, those things would probably work. And so, um, and so my media sobriety plan could look very much like, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch a movie, you know, um, one, one movie, you know, maybe two times a week or, or I'll watch the news for a half hour a day or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, but, but that didn't work for me because I'm a media addict, which means that I have both an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Now, I'm telling you that sounded really crazy the first time I thought about that as I heard that and subscribed to it because, okay, I'm not ingesting anything, am I? How could this be um, an allergy of the body? How could it be an obsession of the mind? Do you want to, do you want to (laughs) know my my, uh, response to that? Um, Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, as, if, as uh, we looked at media in terms of the addictive, um, the addictive model as opposed to the behavioral model. Um, an addict does not have the mental ability to 
realize that, um, well, first of all, that they are ad addicted or to sort of basically um, the media addict is in denial that they have a problem. So, you know, maybe I could fast from media for a week, but then it's like, well, I've been so good. Now, you know, I'm going to watch my favorite show. And then, oh dear, you know, I've just spent the last, you know, week binge watching that show and I'm just back actually worse to where I was before and feeling more depressed about myself and wondering why, why I, where, what got me here. So that's the obsession of the mind. It's that I don't have a mind that has defense against that first click because I'm in denial and my denial constantly will bring me back. What is the allergy of the body? Well, it has been studied that media uh, is a mind altering and mood altering drug. So when I'm on media, I can get a dopamine hit. I can get an adrenaline hit. I can get an oxytocin hit if I get really scared about what's going on. There's a zillion things that can happen in my body and I can get addicted to those states just as I would any other drug. And so, um, so that's why, um, that's why it is an allergy of the body because I get addicted to those states and I seek them out. Right on. Thanks for sharing that. I, Thank you. One of the things that you said and that's pretty revolutionary is like comparing media to a drug. Because I mean, like, I would you agree with that? I think that that is a, a true. It's support. total dope. It's dope. Yeah. <laughs> it really is dope. It's a dopamine hit, you know? Yeah. And most people, I don't think, are are making that conscious connection. If you scan across society right now, um, I think it's it's a pretty readily available drug for everybody. And I know that you um, you like the movie The Matrix. I, I know of that, and that's also one of my favorites uh, as well. But I've heard you um, compare the computer world to the matrix mm -hmm. a little bit. I just wanted to see if you could expand on that because that really that really interests me. How far the, down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> all, all the way. <laughs> I want to go down the rabbit hole. No, because I mean, you're turning me on to some things too. Um, and in some of the, the talks that we had, you know, which, you know, when when we look at, I mean, I could tell you some things if, if you want to hear them, but but I, I want to say that they're not representative at all of any 12-step program, you know, because yeah. they can sound a little bit kooky. But Go for um, it if you feel comfortable. I mean. Yeah, I just mean that I've been, um, for myself, I've been working for like probably, now probably about 13 or 14 years to deal with my media problem. I knew I had a problem. You know, back in 2007, when things started to really take off and all of the phones could, you know, uh, you know, th there was just so much media everywhere. I mean, you know, I grew up at a time where, you know, um, it was midnight and everything went off that we just didn't, we didn't have all the stuff that we have now. And now it's just like um, nothing ever turns off. Um, so um, let's put it this way. How do you boil a frog? You don't, you don't throw it in hot water because the frog will know right away they're in hot water and they'll jump right out, right? right. The way you boil a frog is you put it in cool water and just little by little raise the temperature until it's boiling and it doesn't know it's boiling until it's boiling, right? right. Well, that's how media has been introduced to all of us 
it's it's here before we even know it it's like it's like the matrix it's like ubiquitous it's you know at the grocery store it's at the um, um, gas station it's it's ev it's everywhere we're, we're being watched all the time i mean there's cameras everywhere there's you know like it, it really is this big brother we we know that our cell phones record and we know that they're that um that, that uh, the um you know televisions uh, uh watch us too we're not the only ones watching we're not the only ones listening we're being watched we're being studied so and this is, you know, like I'm obviously I'm not going to say something that hasn't been, you know, documented because there's lots of movies out about this. There's a lot of articles about, out about it. Um, people have, you know, um, had to leave this country and go to Russia <laughs> because they outed, you know, uh, you know, what was going on here. So we know, we know that this is it, but, you know, we make the choice to get on we make the choice to sell our soul for it because, because it's addictive and we like it. Just like we like, you know, a heroine likes his heroin and just like a food addict likes their sugar, right? Um, so it's like crack, right? And it's magic. If you look at, um, if you look at your cell phone, it looks like a, a scrying um, mirror, right? Yeah. A, a black mirror. So there's magic in it. And there's a lot of magic. I'd say, and you might agree with me because you, you've turned me on to a few things that there might be some dark magic in, you know, in the technology. So um, so why, why, why uh, is that with the, ma the matrix? It's like, if you stop using media, you get to start seeing the matrix. I'll give you an example. Um, I went on a, 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 a meditation retreat for 17 days, um, years, years and years ago. It was after I'd gotten out of a really bad relationship and I was trying so hard to deal and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and I went on this 17 day retreat and we were up in the mountains. There was, n there was no media, nothing, there was nothing there. When I came out of that and went to my first grocery store, I couldn't believe, because I, my mind was in a state of, cl of complete clarity. Like I had just like detoxed for 17 days. And when I went into that store, there were a few things. One is that that all of the magazines, they were all these glossy. It was like, I could see, I could see that there was something that I'd never seen before. It was all this glossy stuff. It looked like kind of a web of, of uh, reality, you know? And then the music was so blaring and the lights were so, and it felt violent. It actually felt violent. I felt like, oh, like, what is this that I just walked into? And I thought to myself, have I always lived in this world? Is this the world that I've, I've always lived in? Because we are like fish in an ocean, we don't see that we're in water, you know, because it's just so every day, like, you know, you don't think about, about your media and nobody says anything to you about it because everybody thinks it's just normal. When I've gotten away from it, and I'm, I'm right now, the, the longest I ever fasted was for eight and a half months. And I'm telling you, the best time of my life. I was so happy. I felt joy. I felt like a child again. Um, you know, the amount of um, self-loathing that goes on when you like look at magazines and compare yourself to everything that's online. 
it's tough on a psyche, you know, it's tough on a psyche and I'm an adult. So I can imagine how tough it is on, you know, teenagers and young people. It's really tough. How is it tough? Because you compare yourself with everyone and, you know, media is all, you know, there's parts of media that are trying to show you what your life should be like, how to be successful, you know, who you should be or who shouldn't you be. Or if you don't follow our way, you know, we're going to bring you down or we're going to, you know, um, or, or we're going to say things about, I mean, it's just, it's become, you know, it's become a really place. It, it, well, I shouldn't say it's become, it's in the beginning, I see that I got my self image from the images I saw on the screen as a little girl. I wanted my life to look like that. I thought that's all of those things were how I was supposed to look. And if I didn't look like that, I wasn't worthy to get love. I wasn't worthy to be accepted. And, in, and so therefore it was kind of a subtle form of mind control and, and a way of putting me in a place where, you know, these are the things I want. These are the, these are, these are, this is what I need to look like, who I need to be. And, you know, especially in terms of consumerism, you know, it's like, do you want to be happy? Well, you have to have this car or, you know, as a child, I wanted this doll or that toy or something like that. Um, so it's, it, it, so it's everything about controlling the way that my mind worked and the way I thought about the world and the way I thought about myself. And it's only on steroids now because there's so much information out there. And in, and, and that's the other part of it is that information overload is really hard on our psyche. Uh -oh. So there's just no way that you can even like conceive of being able to digest everything that's out there. But I mean, my, my little ego will go on and go like, oh my God, I never heard of this. I've got to spend the next 20 hours researching this so I'm not a total idiot, you know? Especially <laughs> in this age with, with yes, exactly. COVID and everything's changing so fast. Yeah, exactly. So we don't even see the matrix, which is this, this, um, this web of- That's what it's called. Yeah, this web, exactly. And this programming, which is also what it's called, right. of, of a way in, in which we are supposed to live and be. And, and, um, and, so, and so, you know, you know, Morpheus says, you know, uh, I, I could show you this, you know, I, I could show you is the truth you know, and that's it. And the only way you can see the truth, you know, if you take the red pill, right? You know, if you take the blue pill, you just go back to your screens and just go, you know, binge your brains out and just, you know, get drunk, you know, become comatose and live your life, you know, on that side of the screen. You want to take the red pill, then you see where the rat, how far the rabbit hole goes. And what I've seen is that you see that A, you have been a slave, absolutely, and B, that you're free and you have the choice to say what I will, I will, um, I will uh, say that Kyle gave me this, um, this term and that's the sacred no. You can say no, just like Neo did in the movie, you know, when bullets were coming at him and he just put his hand out and he said no. And I, I like to, to call that the sacred no and, um, and also that the most important commodity I have, actually the most powerful commodity I have is my attention and my focus. So whatever you focus on grows, we know that, right? So um, I'm, I'm looking at media 
And guess what? Media has grown, man. <laughs> it keeps growing, oh, yes. right? Right. And um, and and all the emotions around it grows. You know, it's getting People, closer to us too. Uh, what do you mean by that? Closer, like getting closer. Now it's like now virtual reality, and they're talking oh, about yeah. things in the body, even and exactly. Know, Exactly. I mean, you know, the, the idea is that we're, we're all going to, you know, basically be computers that are half human and, you know, cyborgs, right? And that's the whole idea. And people are like, wow, I can't wait to get my bionic eyes and, you know, uh, or, or have my, um, my, my, my sex robot, you know, so I won't <laughs> be alone, you know? Um, so we're getting further and further away of what it means to be human. But the, I, you know, so the idea is about where your attention is and also what the human qualities are that you have that are being, that are being um, um, well, I would say that are being forgotten and are also not lost. valued and that, and getting lost. Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna say what, what all of these technologies um, have in common is um, they're all very interested in your pineal gland because that is the seed of the source within you. And you suppress that and you cannot see and cannot feel the, um, the reality that you are, you know, an infinite consciousness, an infinite being. So let's cap everybody off, keep them really, really um, stuck on the material plane and really, really stuck with um, just the messages that we're giving them. And, you know, you can control those people. Those are sheep. But, you know, free your mind and choose where you're going to focus on. And that's a free agent. I really resonate with the boiling the frog analogy. It's something that in my world of emergency medicine, we try to teach this to residents and students. And I, I try to really understand it myself inside relative to like a day years ago where it was more accepted, understood. It was a cultural norm to, to prescribe opiates. And now we know that that's must be, you know, used with very great caution and so on. But what happened, unfortunately, in the world is physicians, practitioners would prescribe opiates well-intentioned. It was exactly like boiling the frog in that the patient would be placed in the water they'd be given their first you know six tablets of oxy whatever and then perhaps this is helping i'll get another prescription again well-intentioned and fast forward the temperature rises the number of prescriptions increases and you reach this point where you are dependent on it as you mentioned and now the water is boiling tony will you prescribe us all red pills that are that are talking right now and already let's did. just, already let's did. just do your, that. It's in your so beverage. So we're going to take the red pill right now and all the listeners take the red pill. You are listening to The Conscious Bro Show on Radio Free Space 91.9 WDRT, Viroqua. And now, Cindy, could you um, go ahead and now describe what happens now? So we have just, I'm just playing out a story here. We've we're, you know, listening to the media or watching, you know, like, let's say like three hours on Netflix a night, three hours of news a night. We're just totally, the, ma the matrix has us, we're in it and we take the red pill. Now, what, what starts to happen? Like what, 
what's the process of getting away from the media and what do you start to see that's different? I'm just trying to relate to someone that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to sort of piggyback on what Tony said, you know, about, about the drug. Okay. Okay. Because, um, very often people, so the, 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 the addict's brain is, um, I don't want to say a normal brain because I don't really know what a normal brain really is. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, the way that the media is in its, in its, in the way that it affects the brain, everybody's brain is affected by it. I mean, it's hypnotic. It's, it, it, it's, it's brain waves are in an alpha state. So it hypnotizes you. There are all kinds of things that um, like a news station will do to you know, spin, not just the news station, everything spins around and that's hypno hypnotic. There's always some kind of movement which, which um, stimulates the reptilian brain and the reptilian brain is like, you know, the cat and mouse, the cat's always just, you know, you know looking at the mouse. So uh, it's funny that we use a mouse, you know, in our, in our, with our computers, right? But, but it is like they understand, you know, whoever created, um, you know, media, um, really understood the brain, really researched the brain and really made it as addictive as possible. So I just want to say it, it's total crack for your brain and anybody, there is not anyone that um, is immune to it. Okay. But I want to say that there is really an addict brain. Okay. An addict's brain, and maybe you know more about this than I do, Tony, because I'm not a medical professional, but an addict's brain, from what I understand, has fewer dopamine receptors than a normal brain or than a healthy brain. I'll put it that way. And so therefore they need more stimulation to get the same dopamine hit that a normal person would get and feel satisfied with. So what happens when we get on media is there's a first dopamine hit, but then the addict goes, that ain't good enough, dude. I got <laughs> I gotta, I gotta try a little bit more, and then they're, and then they spend hours and hours trying to get that initial hit that they got the first time, and then just leave it, you know, really, um, really strung out on it. And so, so what a dopamine hit will do is it will trigger the need for more and more and more. And this has been researched because they, you know, they they do say that. Um, that media addiction is very much like alcoholic addiction. And, you know, and, and it doesn't even have to be on a screen. You go, you can hear your phone ding, you know, knowing I got another like, and, you know, that can trigger a dopamine hit. So, you know, we're just animals, you know, we, we, we're chemistry sets and animals walking around trying to, trying to deal with, you know, staying in balance. Right. What you're saying is so true. It reminds me of a somewhat sad case I had years ago of an elderly patient, really elderly, who was addicted to heroin. And they had been addicted since they were a little kid, apparently. And they shared that every time they used for these decades, they were chasing the feeling of the first time they used. Like, talk about cycles. You take the red pill. The number one thing that's going to happen, it is effing hard, okay? Withdrawal happens. Now, that's why you know it's a dependency and that's why you know that it's an addiction because there's withdrawal. If there wasn't withdrawal, you probably are not an addict, okay? And, um, and I'll tell you all the signs of withdrawal that I, that I have at least experienced and heard people with, okay? First of all, you have a craving and you think, 
I have to get on, man. I have to get on. It's like calling to me. I really need it, you know? And let's say you don't succumb to that, you know, but you can feel like your skin is crawling. You can feel, um, you can even get like headaches or um, body aches, or um, you get, it can get irritable. You know, you, you just feel like you're gonna, you know, you need it. You know, you, you can feel that you need it. So you need your fix, okay? So that's withdrawal. It's just like any drug, you know, in, you know, like it, with drug addicts, like, uh, like real drug addicts, you know, um, in terms of, you know, ingesting drugs or alcohol, you know, you get, you can go into treatment, you know, you can go into the hospital and you detox there. Media addiction, I think there are treatment centers for it, but more or less, you got to detox on your own. So first of all, I would say it's very hard to go through withdrawal on your own because one or two days of withdrawal and you're going to want to use. And it's everywhere. What's that? No, I'm just saying it's like as if the drug was everywhere around you at all times too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On every corner, you know, somebody's <laughs> handing you, you know, a pill or somebody's handing you some alcohol. I mean, and that's the other problem with it because we need to use it for our living, for our jobs, for, you know, other things. So let's just look at it this way. Let's say you're an alcoholic, but you need to take a little bit of alcohol every day to work, to see your family, to, um, to, to, to pay your bills, to, you know, like all, all of the things you need to drink just a little bit, or let's say, you know, you are a meth addict. <laughs> you need to take just a tiny bit of meth, you know, throughout the day. That's, that's the, that's the challenge of a media addict. And it's something we've never seen before because we're total guinea pigs. This is never, most of civilization has never had to deal with this problem. I mean, most of, you know, for thousands and thousands of years, we've survived without media. I mean, think about that really, because in the last like 10 years, we look at our lives and we think there's no way we could survive without media every day, right? Mm -hmm. But they did. And I remember when I did, you know, so first of all, you, you know, you go through withdrawal and I just would say, don't do it alone. Either get a support group, get people together that will support you, have some friends to help you through it and that you're probably going to want to use. Um, but if you don't, if you hold on, it gets better and better and better um, in terms of you don't have as many urges and you don't... Um, you just get clear and it starts to detox out of you. Cause you have to, it is a detox. It really is a detox. And then what, you know, so <clears throat> things start to get clear. And so I, I want to speak to this cause I know part of my, I've been doing this by the way. Yeah. So you, I was going to say, you tell me Kyle, cause <laughs> you, you've been through it. So. Yeah. Well, I just, I will. And I was going to get to that in a second, but I know a big part of the problem with me, it was like, well, what, how am I going to know what's happening? Like there's, you know, all this stuff happening in the world election. I started mine right before the election. So elections happening that I'm missing all the, the new COVID thing, what, what the next thing with the COVID thing <laughs> and, and how do we know what, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like not knowing. I guess. <laughs> That's part of withdrawal, dude. <laughs> So as, as we're addicted to knowing, it's too. totally part of the withdrawal. Yeah, because you have to be able to say my life is more important than than anything else. My life, my freedom is more important. 
because you know you know i i, I love this um the the this line from one of tom petty's songs that says you you're trying to yeah um you want to change the world but you can't even change yourself that's you know that's that's where the denial is is that by knowing i'm going to be able to change anything oh just like moment of silence to that one whoa <laughs> cuz um I had to make a choice, either my life or, or, or what I thought was, you know, me saving somebody else's life. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to do that. It's too big for me. And also, I, how, do I, how do I even know what's right or what's wrong? I mean, the world's problems are pretty heavy duty. You know, they're just like heavy duty, right? How do I know what the solution is? And everybody running around yelling what it is and what it isn't or arguing with each other i don't see that that is a solution either so so you know this is where you know uh, having a 12 step program that you know talks about living on a you know in a spiritual way talks about having um faith in a power greater than myself that's what really came in handy for me as I went through the same thing you did, you know, during elections, during it all. It was like, you know, I, I have to turn it over because, and I still do. I still do. Um, I love, I love um, the part about, you know, trying to play God or trying to be a hero, trying to save people. That was what I found and had uncovered, I guess I would say that one of the biggest things that taking a step back for media does, at least it did for me, is you get really clear on what like the driving force behind you going to it, the constant need to go to it was. And like, I, I made it, I made a list of all these different things that I realized uh, while I was on it. First of all, I was worried about the world, you know, still kind of am not as much and so I constantly felt like, you know, I had this like profile on Facebook and that was like my like little mountaintop to stand on and shout what I thought was wrong. And like, you know, I wanted to expose the truth. I wanted to expose these people that are, you know, trying to shape human future and what I deemed as a negative way. And I was concerned the way that, you know, society was going. So I just felt like I had to constantly do that. Well, I just, you know, after having done that for so long and seeing how like increasingly divided people are over the time over since I've been on Facebook, basically like the dividing continues to, it just continues to get more polarized. I just started to realize that, well, this really isn't doing anything first of all. And um, may, maybe it did something, but um, for the most part, it wasn't landing. It felt like, and I was getting more addicted. I like needed to do that. And I found uh, under that it was like a convenient way like me having this story that I'm this like truth or this protector or this, like I stand for truth was a convenient way to, um, uh, to support this addiction basically. So when I stopped going to the media, I basically found a local group that was doing grassroots organizing in town that I, I felt like I could have way more of an impact with that group than the media. And I was like, holy, this was a solution the whole time that I didn't even know because I was always on the media. I also had two major validation experiences that eclipsed 
any type of validation that I had ever received via like likes or, you know, any type of video that I did on social media. And I had two of my teachers that I really look up to um, just said some like amazingly honoring uh, things about me, like that I was like the most disciplined person they've ever worked with or that um, I was one of the most bravest people that they ever worked with. And that to me was just like to hear that coming from them was such an amazing thing. So it was like, okay, right away, boom, getting more validation off media, having a more impact off media. And then after that, I realized that I was, I started to get clear that when I was constantly trying to share the truth to other people and uh, tell them that this is the way it should be or whatever. I was kind of, there was part of me that wasn't fully honoring and respecting their process in a way. Like you have to, I've, I've just learned that, you know, it's like, like you said, how do you know what's right for somebody? I mean, like, I'm not them. I've not been through what they've been through. And I don't really know when it comes down to it, what's right for them. It's probably different for everybody. And there's a certain, when you, when you're saying, you know, what's right for someone, there's a certain way that that kind of like overrides their like decision-making faculties. And I wasn't totally uh, respecting that. And I was trying to play God basically. So I realized that it's like, Hey dude, just relax, allow people to be where they're at, allow people to make their own decisions. And my relationship transformed. It was, we went through our own turmoil and then that got like evolved to the next, the next level. I had these big heart experiences where my heart started. I started feeling my heart more like this, this fire energy in my heart. And when I went home for Christmas, I got to spend more time with my family and I was not watching the media the whole time. We were playing all sorts of games. And I remember when I left, I kind of almost, <laughs> I got really sad actually. I mean, it didn't last that long, but I felt like how I could, was very in touch with how much that I loved my family. And I had never really been so in touch with that feeling in my heart. And I was just like, whoa, it was kind of, it surprised me to be honest with you. But I was just like, wow, I really love my family and I really care about them a lot and I miss them. And so I had that like experience with my family. Um, I gave up the need to know and I'm just started being comfortable just doing things in my life that I needed to get done. I started getting more done. I started getting more sleep and I had multiple, I would say, God experiences. Yeah, no, I, I would love to hear God experiences. And I just want to um, say, you know, when, when we look at addiction, we look at it as a program of attraction rather than promotion. When I was out there, you know, trying to save the world, it was not promotion. It was like, <laughs> I'm going to be, beat you over the head with, you know, with this, what, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a missionary on a mission and I'm trying to baptize everybody. Um, if I'm living my truth, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm, um, you know, if somebody's attracted to it, then I'm happy to share it with them. But this isn't for everyone. And as a Taoist, it's not my job to wake anyone up. They all have their own path. You know, everybody has their own path. And so it's not my job. My job is to wake myself up. And if I can do that, um, I'll be very lucky. Um, but I wanted to say also, you know, uh, what you talked about, just all of the positive things that have come from it, the respect that I have from my family, the love that I have with them. When I 
when my father was, was dying of Alzheimer's and being sober during that, like talk about my, my heart bursting open, um, living life is as a human being with the, the, with the full spectrum of being human is better than any reality show. It's better than anything to walk in nature and feel it, you know, you know, everywhere. I know you know this guys, you know, cause I know you, you live a very natural life. It's just, there isn't any better high than that. And media suppresses that it, it doesn't, you can't, I, I could never feel when I was like, been, was on media all the time or binging on it. I go for a walk. I couldn't feel anything. I just felt numb. I just couldn't feel anything. And it's amazing because, you know, everybody knows that I've been on this media fast in my family. I've been very clear with what I could do and what I couldn't do. And both of my kids, you know, especially my son has just said, mom, I'm so proud of you. Everyone's been very supportive, which kind of surprised me because I, I thought that people would be a little upset, but everyone's understood. And I think that's really important for people to know. You have a right to say no. You have a right to say the sacred no and, and live your life the way you want. And, and, you know, every time I do say the sacred no, um, it, it actually could help someone else too because they can see that you can say no. What do you do when you, when you say no though? Because like we said, um, media is all around us. Like I, I can, how, how do we live in a world without media? Like what do we do then? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's the renegade spirit, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, be because, you know, one of the things about addiction is that, you know, one thing that addicts have in common is, um, is defiance. You know, we have denial and then denial moves into defiance and defiance, defiance says, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care. You know, I'll, uh, I don't care what the consequences are. I just, I need it. I want it, you know, um, and so with my addiction, I have to watch out when I move into denial or I move into defiance. Because if I'm in a lot of pain, I may, I may like, you know, not care. And then I move into defiance. But I, I've noticed that I can use that part of me that is, you know, a defiant person to my benefit. And the way I say, way I, what I mean by that is, if I go out into the world, even if I try and get gas, I have to defy something. I have to defy looking at that screen, acknowledging it. You know, I, I once said, you know, it's kind of like a guy, like, you know, try not to look at a woman's breast. <laughs> you know, you just sort of like keep your, your eyes where they need to be, you know? That's the way it is with media. It's like, yeah, I know it's there, but I'm not, I'm gonna deny you the privilege of getting my attention because my attention is worth something and I'm going to deny you that. So I'm in denial of, of, you know, that's where I, I use my denial is I don't, I, I don't, you don't get that power over me. You are listening to the conscious bro show on radio free space, 919 WDRT Viroqua. Could you speak to what exactly has changed in you? Like there's, there's Cindy before Cindy, oh. with media, and now, now Cindy, what, like eight months away from media or however many months away from oh, media? Yeah. I mean, um, back to back 
is four is about four months now. Um, okay. I've had you know I've had different times and you know what I have, but part of it and what I was trying to say earlier is that I kept thinking I you know now I could I could I could use media like a you know a healthy normal person, but I have an addict's brain, so you know <clears throat> I kept slipping back again and again, you know. Because in a way, there's, uh, it's really easy to not use media for a period of time. What's hard is to stay permanently stopped. And every time I use again, it re-triggers the whole thing. And, and it can be worse than it, when, I, when I, you know, it can be worse every time. Because also my, my dopamine receptors are like, oh yeah, let me, get, let me get a lot more. And oh yeah, you know, now, now this episode, you know, uh, this season just came out. And I got to binge watch it all before I start on my next fast. You know, it's just, it's just the way that an addict's mind works. But how have I changed? I would say, first of all, I know that I don't want, I, I, I mean this in a very humble way, but I've become more powerful. I know my power. I have a lot more self-esteem. I'm clearer. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but a lot of the problems that I had before have just gone away. The problems that I've had with people. I, I feel like sometimes I can read people's minds and I know that, that, I, you know, that, that I'm probably really not. It's just that I'm really clear and I'm listening. And so I know how to respond. Um, I have a superpower and that is a higher power and I can go to that higher power and like download crap, you know, and use <laughs> it, <laughs> um, which I, when I was with media, I would never take the time to do that. I just download crap on media, even though I'm not on media, I can sense what's going on. So my intuition in the world has been very heightened. I'll second that. Um, a big part of this is if you're going to decide to go off media is really having uh, faith in your higher power. Because I've found out that like, even, even since I've been on off media, I, I always find out what's happening. Somebody always tells me I, it'll just, I was in the airport and then I just was walking and then I overheard something about like the vaccination or whatever. And then it's just like, I couldn't even help it. It's just, it, it comes into your consciousness. You can't get away from it. And then everything that I've needed to know, I get made aware of. Is that the same been for you? Well, that definitely has, has been the same, but I, I guess I'm even saying further is that, that I'll put it this way. I feel like my pineal gland is healing and opening and that I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing, you know, the matrix I'm seeing yeah. reality. I'm mm -hmm. seeing the truth and I'm seeing the lies and, um, and that, and that has, you know, really to do with the, the, the veil. You know, I remember uh, listening to somebody, um, it was, his name was actually um, Alan Watt. He's not Alan Watts. He's not the Taoist mm. Alan Watts, but he's Alan Watt. He's a guy from Ireland. And he was talking about how he, uh, a, uh, a friend of his brother was in World War II, fight, fighting with the Nazis. And he wrote home to his family and he said, whatever you do, don't watch TV because that's how they're going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, hearing him say that and, you know, it, like, like the frog in the water, it, you know, we, we've, we've accepted a lot of things as if they're necessary, as if we can't live without them, as if, 
they're really good for us. And, you know, now we're seeing that, 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 that um, students aren't learning very well with their, their iPads, you know, that, um, that uh, you know, having uh, a light flashing in your eyes doesn't allow the brain to work in the same way that it does when something is just reflected from a page, you know, that, um, you know, we're, as I said, we're guinea pigs. We don't, we don't know. We don't know, you know, how this is affecting us. And my, my feng shui teacher uh, many years ago when, and this is even why, why I knew probably a lot earlier than anyone else, you know, the, 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 um, the, the dangers of cell phone and, and, and um, all the electromagnetic frequencies, because my, my, um, my, my, my feng shui mentor was, she was a biologist as well. So she was always about, you know, what, what frequencies are, are you know, um, atta- you know, attacking you. But my feng shui teacher said, um, his, he, was a, he was a Taoist master um, and a, a um, Chinese uh, tai, Taiwan um, uh, Buddhist, uh, Tibetan Buddhist. And he said, um, he said, you know, in this century, and this was probably in 2000 and let's say one or two, okay. He said, there will be strange disease come in, come, you know, there'll be strange disease come from all this technology. And, you know, when we look at it, like for instance, um, there was a study that was done when when television came into um, a part of the country because it didn't, you know, just pop everywhere. Um, you know, there were just different areas where it could come into. Um, young girls, young teenage girls, the suicide rate went up each time television came in. Now, I want to say that that um, that study was also controverted. Okay. But I don't know if that makes it untrue. <laughs> um, still, you know, there's something about even just electricity when it when it came into to homes. You know, uh, cancer rates went up. Lots of different things have happened. So every time we have some kind of you know advancement as a human species, you know, there's a price that we pay, and sometimes we don't know what that price is until we've had to pay it, and. And one of the things that I can see happening is if, if we don't wake up to it right now, we don't know if humanity itself will no longer be, you know, exist, you know, in 200 years. I think it was, um, oh, what's his name? The, um, uh, I can't remember his name. He, he just passed away a little while ago, but he's just said in 200 years that the, the humans won't exist anymore. We'll just be cyborgs. And, um, and, and I think that, well, if, if that's going to happen, then it, let's, if, if that happens, let's do it in a conscious way and let's understand it. Mm-hmm. But, but, it, but I, what I see is people just unconsciously making decisions and just letting it happen. And that, um, you know, we have it's all kinds it's of an addiction. Well, it, it, it is because we were, we were, we were, um, we were primed for, you know, an addiction mm-hmm. and to just like, you know, just like, again, just, you know, going back to the frog, you know, it's like, ah, you know, the water's nice here, you know, come and come and jump in, you know, it's free. <laughs> so what I would say is that when you step away from the media, just like any other addiction, it's hard. Like it's definitely hard and you it definitely is. have to face some things that maybe you haven't been willing to face, you know, you have to, face and people them. may not like that you're doing it. Yeah. And, but what happens there 
essentially is you kind of clear out space to have more of yourself, more of who you are, more of your spirit starts to come in your body. And uh, I think your, your dopamine receptors start to heal. You start to get more enjoyment out of the little things in life that like the sun glaring through the window, totally. the, the, like the, the snow, like it just snowed at this amazingly beautiful snow yesterday. You start to enjoy these little things that you kind of just, when you're stuck in this information overload, you kind of just, you don't really see it. It's, it's all about the next. You're numb. You're numbed out. Mm -hmm. You're numbed out. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'll have like just flashes of joy and I'll be like, where did that come from? And it will just be like joy. Nothing's happened. There is no event. And it's just, just a sudden feeling of joy, or I'll feel like what I felt like as a child, you know, like before every, everything happened, you know, I mean, like, like any media happened to me and just be like that innocent, pure, um, vital being. And it's like, wow, this is so cool just to feel me, you Mm -hmm. know, with, without, without that, because most, you know, most of us now, I mean, all the kids now, I feel so bad because by the time they're two, they've already, you know, probably worked at, you know, a smartphone or something like that. But I mean, I at least grew up and I played outside a lot. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, there was not, not even a, a tinge as much media that there is now. I'm very grateful to, to have that. And I appreciate parents who really keep media at a minimal for their kids. They're doing their kids a huge favor to be able to like feel what it's like to be a human being and to live their life. They live their life and live on this side, of, you know, the side of the screen that has their life to it, you know? So we're, we're separated from the cost. We don't know what we're missing out on when we talk about, you know, because when someone thinks about media sobriety, they're like, oh man, that sounds boring. But we, we don't know what we're missing out on because we've been inundated with it yeah. our whole life. We've been fish in water. Yeah. That, that's right. And, you know, it, and it's funny because, so a couple of things. One is that um, when you're playing a video game, and this is this was study done on it that a young kid, you know, a young boy playing a video game has as much cocaine, you know, I mean, as much dopamine hit mm. as a cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what you're that's what you're talking about. And and my grandson, you know, who is an, uh, a seven or eight year old, um, uh, I actually quote him in my book. Um, you know, I asked him one day, you know, because they love their video games, and I said, you know, if you had to choose between your mom, who he adores, like, you know, the sun rises and sets on her and your video games and, you know, and your television, which would you choose? And I said, you can only choose one. And he chose video game. I think what you're saying is so right on. It really aligns with my understanding of the most latest and greatest science behind addiction. Now we know that there are proteins that bind to DNA in these reward pleasure pathways of the brain, change the way the genes transcribe mRNA and thereby translate into proteins and neurotransmitters. And they change the conformation and density of the receptors in the neural synapses. And, you know, all this really crazy, exciting stuff that helps us understand the process, but then also devise solutions well you i heard you brought up your book we better get into that we got about 10 minutes left um so you have a book 
called um, Playing You? Yeah, so Playing You was partly probably the reason why I needed a, a media recovery program because I started to write it and I found that I'd go on these writing retreats and all I would do is binge watch. And I was on these retreats, I was taking time off work, I worked for myself, so you know I wasn't getting paid and I would take these retreats and then I would do nothing but binge watch and then leave feeling so depressed and hate myself. And, and so, um, yeah, but, but part of, you know, part of what this book turned out to be is it's playing you. So it's um, acting secrets to create the life that you really want. And one chapter in it talks about which side of the screen do you want to live on? And it does talk about media and the effects that it, it's having on us as humans and, um, and how um, we're not playing uh, us, we're playing everything else that we see, you know, on media or, um, or we're living through media rather than, you know, in our lives. So um, it, it gives some uh, acting, acting techniques that you can use in your own life and, and ways in looking at your life as if it were a play that you were writing and that you were performing in and you were creating the character and the roles that you want to create. And so most of the time we don't think to ask certain questions. And so there are the questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What do I want? Why do I want what I want? Why don't I want things that, that um, I say I want, <laughs> you know, like, you know, one of the things we do, you know, for media addicts is we have what's called a resistance worksheet. And in that worksheet, you know, we write, why do we want this goal of, of fasting for media? And then the second question is, why don't you want that goal? Because if you really wanted it, you'd just be fasting right now, right? I mean, it's, it's as, as plain as that, but there's always the reason why we don't want it. And, you know, Kyle and I have talked a little bit about like one reason was, well, you know, I won't know what's going on in the world or I, I won't have, I won't be able to go to movies and have that kind of recreation, or, um, you know, I won't be able to keep up with people when they're talking about movies, I'll be a total loser. Um, or, or, or how am I gonna get relief? You know, when, when, I'm, when I'm uncomfortable or whatever it is, you know, we have, we have that. So it's important to look at what the resistance is because if you don't see that, that's gonna come and kick you in the butt eventually. And you're, you're just going to fail. So we have to be realistic. And so those are some of the questions that we ask in this book in terms of looking at um, how an actor will take a role and, un, you know, um, sort of um, unpack it so that they can understand who this character is. And, you know, of course, you playing you is the most important character that you could play. And so, yeah, that's what What, it's what I like about that, though, is it takes you away from the screen and it's like you are the, the starring character like you're the you're star the movie the movie is all around you exactly exactly isn't that the truth i mean that's the reality that is the reality that is the reality yeah yeah and and also you know like we because we're unclear because we're so you know addicted to media or what other people want us to be we never question the roles that we cast ourselves in or cast other people in you know, I mean, that that's one of the things about, you know, looking at the news and everything is, you know, everybody's casting each other in all these roles. And, you know, and and once you've cast someone in a role, you know, you don't have to think about it anymore because that's what they're going to be. 
you know, they're never going to change. You never have to change your opinion We've of them. You never even met them most of the time. You never met them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and then you, and then of course you cast yourself in a role. So like, let's just say I cast my myself in the role of a victim, right? Well, guess what role you got to play, Kyle? You got to play the perpetrator, right? right, right, right. <laughs> there's only one role left, right? Yeah. So I cast myself in these roles that um, I really don't want to play. But, you know, there's a part of me that is maybe even addicted to those roles, do you know? Yes. So, you know, part of the book is like, you know, it's really like asking questions and taking a look at like, who do you, what roles do you really want to play? And what roles do you want to retire? Or what roles, you know, have you always wanted to play, but you never thought you could? Cool. Well, that sounds exciting. Powerful. I got two more questions for you, Cindy. Okay. We got about six minutes left. But right. I just thought it would be good to clarify where are the boundaries with the media? Because when you say like no media at all, it's almost like, but I have to check my email for work or I have to, you know what I mean? So where, how do you define what those boundaries are? And then after that, can you talk about your upcoming project, Heaven Can't Wait? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that. So quickly, um, you know, everybody's sobriety plan is going to be different. What I've learned is that just like um, that, like, you know, I, I also ha have been in a food program. So like for me, sugar was a trigger for me. So when I ate sugar, I wanted more sugar and wanted more. So I had to only eat foods that were neutral. And when I started eating just neutral foods, I wouldn't get triggered and I wouldn't go out on a binge, okay? I noticed that it's the same with me with media. I have media. I can tell you like some people, you know, love Facebook and they're addicted to Facebook. For me, I, I'm not in love with Facebook. I'm not in love with, you know, having to go there. To me, it's a, jo it's a job, you know, that I have to do kind of for my job. But I, I don't want to like, it's just not, it, it doesn't interest me. It doesn't give me the dopamine hit, okay? It's not my dope. Okay. But YouTube and the news and that sort of thing, total dope for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I look at what is neutral and what isn't. Then I also look at what is necessary <clears throat> because I can, I can spend a crap load of time on media that isn't really necessary. You know, the amount of time that I really want to spend on emails, the amount of time that I want to spend shopping, you know, for something, um, I want to spend as much time in my life as I can. So, um, so when we do these media fasts, we always talk about, you know, not using any unnecessary media that you don't need for your job, for your personal life, for your family and for re your recovery, you know, so you keep it as simple as you can. And then we have a saying, when in doubt, leave it out. You know, why do I have to use something just, you know, there's something about living in an emptiness and a, and a quietness you know, and letting, letting things be quiet for a little while. Both those phrases are taped onto my laptop right now. Is this really necessary? <laughs> rock and, and roll, dude. Rock and roll. Out, leave it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and so in terms of the heaven can't wait, I, I, I heaven can't wait has been uh, an idea of mine for many years. And I, I started the initiative last year. Um, in June 21st, um, the summer solstice, when I took my first um, um, pilgrimage. And the idea about heaven can't wait is that, and, and this is why I think, you know, in a way it's an antidote to media addiction and, and any addiction, but, but especially media addiction, because 
one of the things I, I've, I've seen is that <clears throat> we, we all think about heaven as someplace that you have to go to. Or, or one of my friends said, it's an upgrade, right? <laughs> You're upgrading. But as a Taoist, and, and, and even just as somebody that's, um, that's just, observed, just observed life, that heaven is actually in your mind, just like hell is in your mind. And what I noticed is I'm very, very good at creating hell. So why wouldn't I be able also to create heaven? And there's a question there for me that is, if heaven is to be created, is it something that someone else is going to create for me? Or is it going to be something that I'm going to create myself? And so what I noticed is I could go out on a walk and close my eyes and imagine that I had just entered heaven and opened them. And then I would see everything differently. I could see everybody so differently and like, wow, like this is heaven, man. And so I realized it was just a perspective. It wasn't necessarily a place that I had to go to and I had to die or I had to even be good to get to. It was just a, a consciousness, a conscious state. So I wanted to create a grassroots, I'm going to call it a movement, but it's also an initiative. And I, and I, 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 I sort of, I'm not sure I want to call it so much a movement because it's not, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attraction, not a promotion. It's an invitation to join other people who are asking the same question is, how do I bring heaven in my life? Because I'm very good at bringing hell. How can I bring heaven? And so the first step is to take a pilgrimage and ask yourself that question. And After you get off media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but even if you're still on it, you know, take a day and go to a place that something miraculous happened and you, and you go there and it, you know, I went to a place where I had a popping open awake experience where, <clears throat> where I saw the trees change and, you know, like a very spiritual experience. I went there and um, I can tell you that, you know, my whole life passed before my eyes as I was, um, as I was walking, because it was like about a, a two or three hour walk there, and then about a two or three hour walk back. And, you know, I was really looking at that question. And um, I can tell you the first half of my day, I was totally in hell. It was like, I have no idea where heaven is. And, and then things started to, 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 uh, to break up a little bit for me in my head. And then I also did ceremony that day which I won't get into, but it was like one of the most intense ceremonies I've ever been in where I basically died and went to heaven. <laughs> um, so that, that's a, another, another day maybe, but at any rate, I would invite anybody who's interested in Heaven Can't Wait, who's interested in my book to email me at playingyou at yahoo.com or go to my website, which is www.cindylubarlow.com and, and um, just get in touch with me and, you know, be a, and I can uh, tell you how to be a part of, of this, or if you, you know, if you'd like to buy my book or work with me, um, you're welcome to, to contact me for that as well. Cool. And awesome. if anybody, if anybody wants to take the fast on too, you can reach out to me or Cindy as well. Yeah, um, actually, um, we, there is a new program that's called Media Addicts Anonymous, and you can um, um, 
get, find that online. It's um, mediaaddictsanonymous.org. And you can go there and there's a lot of information on that. And there are meetings that people go to and yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It was thank such you. a pleasure having you on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great to hear you both.